Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is fucking talking shit with Eagle. This is episode 315. Hopefully you guys have had a great week. We've got one heck of an amazing guest for you tonight. You guys have seen this guy around the community for years. If you have not grown some of this gear, you are missing out. Of course, this is Patrick. From Heroes of the Farm. How you doing, Patrick? You want to tell us how you're doing and where we can find you on social media and such? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my name is Patrick Pooler. Uh, doing wonderful this evening. Uh, I'm Heroes of the Farm uh, on Instagram. Um, yeah, based out of Sandy, Oregon. Been cultivating cannabis for 16 years. Been smoking for two plus decades. And uh, cannabis has definitely been woven through the fabrics of uh, all of my life. <laughs> Man, uh, so welcome to the show. And I, you know, like I was saying a little bit before the show, I've got a ton of respect for you. I have grown out, you know, good fair amount of your strains. It depends on how you look, how many, how many, but I think, you know, I think I had six or seven there. That's a pretty good start on a library, anywho. So, yeah, definitely that that's a solid start, and uh, you've definitely grown out a lot of my very you know original gear, which you know, um, you know that that was the foundation that started it all. So, um, you know, appreciative for the support, and uh, I've always loved you know kind of sharing genetics and you know watching other people you know cultivate um, you know and sharing the experience. So uh, what ultimately got you started with uh, cannabis, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, uh, well, start from the get. Yeah, so I'm the youngest of five kids. Um, and, you know, definitely at a, at a young age, you know, looking back at it, I would not recommend kids that, that age smoking pot. But, you know, started smoking pot, you know, the first time I was like 10. And then I started probably consistently smoking pot when I was like 11 and 12, um, you know, and it was just one of those things that I had older brothers and my older brother's friends. And, you know, there was some Mexican brick swag that we smoked out of a can. And I liked the way that it made me feel. And, and we uh, started, you know, every weekend getting, you know, 10 sacks and seeing what we could do with that. And by eighth grade, I started, you know, kind of just, my brother went to college and he's four years older than me. So I kind of picked up where he left off selling pot and, um, you know, it was kind of my way to connect with everyone in high school. You know, I was more of a skater snowboarder, but I was friends with everybody. I didn't care if you were in the band or you were a jock or you were snowboarding or skating or rollerblade, whatever it was. Cannabis has always been the kind of, uh, the thing that breaks boundaries between people. And it was a way that, you know, from a young age, I made extra money and, you know, I started off just trying to smoke for free. I mean, when I started I was using a little, you know, metal hand scale and, you know, weed was super expensive, um, you know, for good weed and, and good weed back then for 60 bucks was really looking at what's today is, is not, was not good weed. A lot of it was, you know, Canadian work, um, Mexican swag. Um, you know, there was kind of, we, we would refer to it as like dank grandmas cause it was coming from the attic and it smelled like mothballs, uh, kind of wet and moist. Uh, and, and you know, then, things like yeah you get your northern lights and the, like some of the stuff by name but when i was in high school the name really didn't matter it was kind of we we're just trying to get high um <clears throat> and then you know snowboarding became a large part of my life uh, in high school I've, I've always been into mountain sports 
Um, but you know, I, I decided after high school, um, you know, I went out to Windell snowboard camp and after 10 days of being in Oregon, um, you know, I was literally at a keg party with snowboarders that I was watching, you know, professional snowboarders that I was watching as a senior in high school, you know, I'm 18 and I'm drinking beers in Southeast Portland with them because of Windell's adult camp. And we're just hitting huge jumps, you know, it was, uh, what would have been June 13th. I got up here of 2004 was the first time I came to Oregon by myself. Um, after 10 days, I came home and weed was cheap. Um, you know, one of the counselors was like, Hey, we're not at camp. You know, he's like, you guys want any weed? I was like, how much for an eight? And he's like 40 bucks. And it was, it was some chronic. And, uh, I bought the whole ounce and I was only there for like seven days. He's like, you don't need that much weed. I was like, don't worry about me, bro. Give me that weed. And, uh, <clears throat> so I came home and basically told my mom I wanted to move. And it took me like six months to get, basically I had to go to community college to get my grades up because high school was not my thing. I didn't really give a shit about it. I wasn't really interested in it. Uh, it wasn't that I wasn't intelligent. It's just, I wasn't interested. So you, you find things out about yourself later when you're interested, you can do a lot of great things. And when you're not, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, learning isn't that fun if you're like, uh, why am I doing this and don't see the point. Um, but I got uh, basically my grades up and got uh, into Portland State. And I went to Portland State um, for environmental studies for two years, while at the same time when I got out here, um, yeah, I wanted to grow pot. You know, I had brought some seeds from some, you know, probably not that great of weed from the East Coast. And um, I popped them on a balcony of an apartment that I was uh, living in. And then eventually I got a little LED light and I threw it in one of the cubby holes and so I went to everybody's garden center and I bought my first thousand watt light and had my first zeros at the farm moment. Cause you know, I had like 700 bucks and back then a core and coil ballast was like 250, 300, you know, a bulb was a buck 20, the hood, you know, so, you know, you spend $700 real quick and not get a lot, especially quality material back then. And I told the guy, you know, I had to walk into my closet and then crawl through a hole and then it opened up in this little cubby hole. That was a six by four by six. And, you know, he's like, well, what do you want? I was like, well, I don't know, but the best light possible. And he sold me a thousand watt bulb ballast and told me nothing about ventilation or heat. And I plugged this thing in and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, oh, this is the brightest thing. And went downstairs and had some drinks and came back like three hours later in the cubby hole was like 120 degrees. My plants were not stoked. So um, <clears throat> that was uh, my very first uh, little experience. But after that, um, we were probably four months into living in Oregon and we found the house that I refer to as 8541. I named the strain after it. Um, it was a four bedroom house. Uh, me and, you know, two of my homies or actually three of my homies, we moved into it and I started basically growing weed uh, with one light in the bathroom. Um, then one light became two. Then a roommate moved out. I took his bedroom. It became four. And then I moved into another bedroom and another roommate moved out. And then I blew up the whole master bedroom, came nine lights. Um, by the time I was done living in that house, it had two living rooms. Um, the one when you walked in was had a couch and, you know, a TV. The other one I was living in next to a four by eight veg tent and every single uh, bedroom in the house was blown up. And, you know, uh, I was just my, I had, uh, an absent landlord that lived in Los Altos, um, that in four years, she never came to the house and I was paying nine fifty. Um, every year she bumped my rent up, you know, 50 to hundred bucks. And I never complained because what I was doing. And I lived in this little cool cul-de-sac of, 
Southwest 37th Avenue, 8541. And, uh, and that was in Southwest Portland over kind of by John's Market area. And that, that house is really like what, you know, built a lot of my foundation. But what really built my foundation was I was always interested in, you know, finding the the right hydro store to get information from because for me personally i'm not an internet guy uh, I, I told myself years ago when i was younger which was dumb as shit like oh, i'm gonna be the last generation that doesn't use a computer like fuck video games fuck a computer like it just wasn't my thing i was more active and outside and snowboarding and skating and you know like to have my hands on things but um, I was looking for a shop that I could find information at. And, you know, I got kicked out of a lot of different shops because back then, if you mentioned cannabis or you overspoke your bounds, you know, they're like, get out of here. So I got kicked out of everybody's garden center and a couple other ones. And that's when I went to Northern Light Garden and I met the owner, Trace Myers. And, you know, there's a few uh, instances and meetings of people that change your life. And that was one of them. And I, uh, started shopping there and he was always very encouraging. And then I literally started moving soil there for free. Uh, and I got an employee discount, which back then I was saving 40% off on all my gear. And, you know, I, I would come in and I would move truckloads of Fox farm, farm soil by hand off the truck, you know, one of a couple at a time and then stack them to the ceiling. And then I'd, you know, save a shitload of money. And eventually they hired me a minimum wage, um, eight seventeen back then. And I wasn't there for the paycheck. I was there for the knowledge, the information, the exposure, and the discount. Um, you know, so by the time I got that job, I was running probably like nine lights. And the old the owner, Trace, you know, he was 20 years older than me and he hooked me up. It was basically like, look, if you're gonna, you know, I was growing completely illegal at the time. And he's like, if you're gonna work here, we gotta get you cards. So he hooked me up with mamas and Kurt, that was one of his customers. I learned about you know, how to stack cards and got a lawyer, John C. Lucy at the time, that was, uh, is a criminal defense attorney. So of course he's like, yeah, you can do that. Uh, he wants to defend me on the back end, but you know, it was encouraging. And, you know, then from there, um, I worked my way out, um, you know, up into management over a four year period. And then I got recruited out by advanced nutrients. Um, and that's when, you know, my world really changed. I was, would have been in 2008, so what I've been 23 years old, um, I went from making like 17 grand a year, uh, in snowboarding, like 60 to 120 days a year, 121 days was my best season, but 60, 70 days was like my average snowboarding. So, you know, I was minoring in school, majoring in snowboarding. And really my mom had no idea, but I was working at a fucking hydro store, you know, growing and selling pot. Um, <clears throat> and so when I got the opportunity to work for Advanced, um, you know, we made a sales commission and it was 2008. They were the first company back then uh, before they blew up and just shit got awry and away from them. Um, you know, they were the first company to say we're for cannabis. And that was the year that they flew the massive nug banner over the the hydro event in, in San Francisco. And they were really, they were really fucking cool. And the guy that was my old sales rep ended up being Dave Pratt who now is one of the owners of Emerald Harvest Nutrient um, and him and Robert Higgins, they started that, but he was Robert's really close friend. So I got an inside into advanced nutrients and one of the owners that nobody else got. Um, and I got to see some really fucking crazy shit, um, you know, in, in my early twenties, you know, up in Canada and in California. Um, and I was, you know, helping field, you know, and sell, you know, nutrients um, so I sold nutrients for like three years and was making six figures a year had, you know, at the same time I bought my house, my first house in Sandy, 
um, <clears throat> and set up, you know, my first, you know, breeding, you know, rooms and, you know, the mist, if you, if you follow any of that stuff from back when sub was covering all that gardens in the mist. Um, so I was doing really, really well as a, as a, you know, kind of crazy mid 20 year old. And then I eventually got sick of that. And they made up a new position for me because I didn't want to be on the road anymore. So I started training all of the sales staff on the nutrients and how to actually apply them uh, to grow so they can, you know, further customer relationships because of the advantage that I had when I was a sales rep for advanced is I grew pot. Most of the other guys just sold shit. And when I'd come to the store, the easiest way to sell pot is be like, yo, see this fire pot. I grew up with this shit. Here's how you do it, you know, and then they're smoking, you know, genetics obviously plays a massive role into it. And, you know, my exposure into the hydro industry and the people that I knew gave me access and unfeathered access to always the newest stuff. And when you have the best gear, people want to trade the next best gear. So, you know, um, I got a lot of different doors open for me at a very young age, but I, it was up to me to walk through those doors and prove myself. So, um, then advanced did, you know, they released $5 million of product into California and Oregon without proper labels. And, uh, we called it the replenishment. It was really us saving our asses and deplenishing stores. Um, and I did from the Bay all the way up and through Northern California. Uh, it was like 90 something stores and it was 35 days of my life. And it was a really miserable experience. I had a gun pulled on me in Vallejo. Um, I'm trying to come in to get nutrients. Um, and, you know, the dude literally a month and a half before was like, you know, introducing me to Red Man and, and Method Man. And uh, a month and a half later, and rightfully so, he was like, yo, you're not taking my nutrients. I own this shit. And he's like, an advance can't replace it. Like, fuck you guys. But we were getting a $10,000 per day fine at that point. So we had to get the shit. So I ended up giving this guy like just all this nutrient. Like I took 13, 14 grand worth of nutrients. I gave him $30,000 worth of shit. But if I took X, Y, and Z off your shelf, I may have only had Y and X and was missing all the other stuff. So, you know, um, then when I got back from that, I started again in Oregon doing it. And after I finished Oregon, I pretty much left my job and started my own hydro store. Um, and at that same time period is when I got, you know, the farm that everyone sees on Instagram that this, the 18th of this month is the 11th year mark, uh, that we broke ground up here. So, um, you know, Rex newer, but you know, I'm, you know, this company and this business and this farm is not new to Canis by any means. Um, before Rec happened, we already had 96 cards stacked up here and we were serving, servicing the Oregon metal community to the, the, the best of our abilities. Um, and you know, then Rec hit and, you know, not realizing it then, um, being able to identify it is, I'm super competitive and I've been in this for a long time and saw a lot of people coming in from outside and was like, fuck that. Like, I want to be a, a, you know, facilitator of what goes on in Oregon because without, you know, guys like me and, and guys like the originals, you know, we wouldn't have an industry, you know, and now there's all these outside investors and Hey, we need investors. You know, it's, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at without some of my own partners. And, you know, it's the massive amount of capital it takes. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's a it's a marriage and a relationship that to to do a lot of this stuff you need capital. Um, but I wasn't willing to lose at my own game, so I decided that I'm I'm going to play the game and go for it. And uh, it's been one hell of a ride, and it hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been easy. It hasn't been fun. Uh, everything that I've ever done, I've been zoned out multiple times for extraction licenses. You know, a power upgrade that was supposed to take six to eight months and be a couple hundred grand was 
three and a half years and seven figures, which I still am perplexed on how we got through that largest residential power upgrade in the history of my, of my town. Um, but it's something that I'm passionate about. I love. And, you know, the, the thing for me is, you know, when we started this, it was all about what, what we were smoking on and, you know, and the sharing and the experience and taking pride in what, you know, you pull out that bag and, you know, that's your work and that's your showmanship. So, um, you know, I, I, cannabis just has been always part of, you know, my life, um, growing up as the youngest kid, you know, and just kind of the, the society and the, the, the way of the nineties and early two thousands is getting high. And, uh, I was like getting high and I was able to fortunately, you know, make a, a career and, and life out of it. And it was one of those things that at time periods, you know, I've had a lot of people in my family, um, go from, you're going to jail to, I'm like the family shaman and one of the most successful ones of my siblings. And is it, you know, a mother's dream, you know, maybe not, but my mom's awesome. And she's got a tattoo artist, a pot grower and a, and, a, and a contractor as her three boys. And uh, I think she's proud of all of us for who we are and what we do. And I just try to run my business strategically, you know, from a place of, you know, uh, just, you know, trying to treat people how we want to be treated and, you know, try to provide a, a good product for the consumer that, you know, it isn't going to take, you know, me being a salesman to sell it. It's just open the jar and use your senses. And if you like the experience, what it looks like, tastes like, smells like, hopefully you come back for more. And fortunately through the relationships and the things that I've learned, we've been able to, you know, cultivate that product to be able to deliver to the community. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a mouthful there. You know, yeah. an amazing story. You know, I've got tons of respect for you. you. You know, you've done so much in the community. And I just kind of want to pick back or rewind back to kind of where I, I was introduced to you. It was the the coverage from Sub initially is where I kind of, I if I remember right, he was showing your garden. It was like, uh, and it was all, you were the first one, if I remember correctly, to like have your lights all on a, um, a winch. Electrical winch. Remember yes. it yeah. was. So what I did, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, when you see all this new high tech shit, I just kind of chuckle. I, you know, I get some of the new gardens that people are building, like straight up. You know, I'm still bootstraps. Like I, I would love to have some of that technology, uh, and be able to afford all the new LEDs and all the new crazy shit. But when we did, uh, you know, the garden of the mist indoor, I built, you know, at 24 years old, my dream garden, and we had. I had sun sheets specially made, which is the reflective material in your light. And I had them cut to four by eight and we lined the whole room with them. So my room was a giant reflector. That was like my key signature. And we had aluminum square stock and we cut holes in it and we did the sidebars. And then we wired the whips of the lights up into them. And then they came out of the back and they were all in the electrical winch system. That was in, that was in 2009. Um, <clears throat> and it was awesome. You know, the Lumitex were like the big thing at the time, the purple ones had just come out. So it was 28 Lumitex on the winch. Um, You know, we had our own custom tray stands built because tray stands, you know, there was no fast fit tray stand back then. Um, Excuse me. There was no uh, fast fit tray stand back then. Rolling benches weren't a thing. ACs were really just becoming popular in our industry because it was air cooled before that. But because of my exposure up in Canada, they were all open ended and were all about ACs. So, 
you know, I took a lot of the things that I learned from Canada and brought them down to the States because the truth was at the time, Canada was a little ahead of us in terms of cultivation, especially large scale cultivation. Some of the things that I was exposed to were large scale, like, you know, and then you get into California and California is always bigger and better, you know? And so when people are like, oh, I'm the biggest, I'm like, no, you're not go to California. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that, that garden, like, I built my dream garden and Sub, <clears throat> Sub and I met through dioxide, Joel. Um, and how I met Sub is he was basically at uh, Mark Hare, third, Mark Hare, Jack's son. He was at the Third Eye, which is Mark's head shop doing a book signing after Jack's passing. And Mark was like pretty much very upset because he didn't have Jack Hare and didn't have the seeds. Sensi Seed Bank lost the original parents. So you can get Jack Hare, but it's not the original seed stock from way back when. And I had the original Jack Hare from a guy from Tim, uh, the owner of Bend and Bloom, that I got in 2008. And it was like the legit, legit real cut. And so Dioxide hit me up and asked if I would share it with Sub. And I did. And he gave it back to Mark. So inherently, I circled back and gave that to Mark, which I've given it to Mark, I think, three or four times now over the years. Um, and that's how I met Sub. And I was very close with Joel. And so Joel basically, you know, wanted to team up with and bring me in and, and you know, have, I wanted to breed. And Joel kind of helped facilitate, you know, me breeding originally. And, you know, just gave me some very, you know, beginner instructions. And I read, you know, the breeder's Bible and it's trial and error and test experiment. And <clears throat> that's when basically sub was we were going to amsterdam for and he was doing all of the attitude seed promotion out of my greenhouse so um you know that iconic picture with the huge plant behind sub with the green glasses <clears throat> you know that that was in my greenhouse and that was uh the california o. um you were saying you had that in the back that's kind of chuckling um <laughs> what a coincidence but, sorry <laughs> no yeah, but um so yeah, that's what that plant was in the background. Um, they referred to it as Melvin back then, but you know, that's what made a lot of that citrus for them. Um, but um, you know, that's how I kind of met and built my relationship with Sub, um, you know, and, and when, the, when the first cannabis cup happened in the United States at the Terra in California, I mean, I was there, I built Sub's booth with Joel and we drove all the way from Oregon, the two of us, and, you know, Sub and Jill came down, they flew down, and we were out in the middle of fucking outside, and people were like, Sub who? Nobody knew who the fuck TJ, TGA was, and uh, it was Vortex One, but they had renamed it God's Pussy, um, and so there were some, uh, you know, some upset feelings from Sub uh, about the shit being renamed, and I mean, God's Pussy, it's like, let's see really okay um but um you know and then over that over the next four years sub put a lot of fucking work in and he put himself out there hard and you know at the time because my hydro store and you know it wasn't when he put me on the cover of you know weed world unknowingly to me i was shitting my pants because it was like yeah he works at advanced nutrients he lives in the foothills of mount hood and his name's pat it's like uh you know, and I wasn't necessarily uh, great to have the reputation that I did back then because I had a lot of friends go to jail. I mean, I watched friends leave my house and, you know, get hemmed up and, you know, friends, you know, get hemmed up and I'm the last person they talk to. And, you know, the, the arrest period, um, you know, knock on wood, mine, mine's 
none. Um, but, you know, loose lips sink ships. And it was not the industry uh, that, that I grew up in. We were still in that mentality where you, you lived within your circle. And, you know, as things progressed, my circle got bigger and I got bigger and, and the word got out and made myself nervous. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we all know what we're gambling with. It's still a schedule one, you know, federally illegal narcotic, but the way that I look at it is I'm not hurting anybody. I provided, you know, countless of jobs for countless of people. I provided medicine for cancer patients and people that need cannabis. Um, I've helped, you know, countless of thousands of growers in their own gardens and their success with my success. And it's something that it was always a way that I was able to give back. Um, and it was, you know, a skill set that I had. And if I, if, you know, what I used to like about Instagram is, Oh, you got powdery mildew, dude. Like I'm not going to hit you up and blast you on your post, but like maybe on your DM I'll slide through and like, yo, you can do this, this, and this. And now people see, you know, a problem and they're like, Oh, fuck that guy. He had mites or thrips. It's like, yo, show me a grower that does not have bugs and I'll show you a fucking liar because any of the real people out here at large scale cultivation, fucking from DNA from Wilcox to fucking cookies to any of these real facilities that run real big fucking crops have bugs. And that's why it's called IPM. It's integrated pest management. There's no such thing as not having pests, you know, now there's better practices than others, but you know, the way that people uh, belittle each other on social media is one, one of the reasons that, you know, I, I fucking hate it these days, but it can also be, you know, um, it's how you keep up on technology. You know, that's how people know about heroes of the farm. So, you know, through my story and why you've seen me let post less in the last years, I kind of got offered for a while just because it was sucking up my time and I didn't feel like I was doing anything positive with it. But I also know it's beneficial to my company. And I also want to share my personal, you know, authentic experience and let you know that like, yo, it's not all fucking peaches and cream. And, you know, I, you can look from the outside and be like, oh, he's lucky or this and that. But I mean, it's a 365 day a year job <clears throat> and I've made a lot of money and I've lost a fuckload of money. And, you know, <clears throat> we're coming through a new industry where, um, you know, at points I've been in over my head, but you know, it's, it's, it's balancing it out. And, you know, when you're in your twenties, you think that you're a grown ass adult and you realize in your thirties, you actually hit maturation and I've done a lot of foolish shit in my life, but you know, um, we're living in a time period where we literally are the ones founding the end of a prohibition and to be in this sector of time in the history of the planet is pretty fucking awesome. So if I can't sit back and be appreciative to where I fall at today, uh, especially at my age, cause like, I'm not, you know, one of the old OGs that have been doing, you know, for three decades, which I'm friends and have mentors that, you know, have been growing weed since 1978 that have, you know, lent experience to me that is, you know, uh, I could not be more grateful for. Um, but I have been doing this for 16 years this year and I was able to get on the grassroots of Oregon. And because of the positions that I put myself in and, and got lucky enough to have the opportunity to be in, um, you know, it, just, it set me up for, you know, a, a great, a great future for something uh, that, you know, I, I genuinely love now. Um, do we have our days? We all have them. I don't care what you do. <laughs> So what actually made you want to go down the avenue to uh, start producing uh, genetics versus, you know, just producing flour for extract or whatever? Uh, I, I kind of think I know the answer here, but creation, <laughs> I, you know, 
you know, when, when working at the hydro store and, and, you know, one of the first things we were just talking about earlier, um, going to the, the 20th high times cup, um, in Amsterdam, I've been to four different Amsterdam cups. Um, you know, gray area had the best weed DNA at the time, you know, some, some younger dudes, they're a decade older, you know, they're 10 years older than I am, but you know, there's these, these younger California cats that in my eyes were crushing it. And when I went to Amsterdam, this is no ego thing. Like I went to, I got the judge, the high times judges pack. And, you know, it was like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a cannabis judge. And they give you a pamphlet and they're like, go to 23 dispensaries. And if you get every entry, you're going to spend three grand custody. And I was that custody. And I did that and straight up 90% of the shit that I got, there was better weed in Oregon and there was better weed in my house. And, you know, it wasn't just my cultivation. It was the genetic access that I had to even back then. And I, I just, you know, I, I was like, yeah, I'd love to make my own genetics. Um, and then when I linked up with Joel, you know, he was like, well, let's do this shit. And within a couple of months, you know, we were kicking things off. And that's when, you know, him and sub gave me space dude as my first male, um, and that's kind of how, you know, Heroes was always separate from TGA. TGA and Sub distributed all my shit <clears throat> and why Sub, you know, Sub took credit for a lot of my stuff over the years because I told him to, because I didn't want my face in there. And then when I wanted, you know, I was like, yo, dude, like I, you know, where we started to have, you know, a little bit of friction is when, you know, locomotion, I made that. I created that. He had nothing to do with it. They didn't even knew it fucking existed. And his original name was blue steel supposed to be some ridiculously good looking pot and now exotic mike has some blue steel but i came up with if you look at the original packaging though when i was blue steel um and i'm looking at fucking you know weed world and there's not even a mention of fucking heroes of the farm in it and same thing with conspiracy kush and you know that's when sub and i kind of had our first arguments which you know it is what it is we you know there's a lot of egos and a lot of bullshit back then um in the way of you know just not knowing how to properly communicate as men and as a group and that was kind of i think tga's uh downfall in terms of a lot of the breeders you know from homegrown to dioxide to me to um Sub was an absolute great dude, but in some of the communication skills and assets, you know, the ego can get in the way of any man or woman. Um, but, you know, when I look at why I got into breeding, it was, I wanted to have my own shit. I wanted to create my own stuff. I wanted to hunt my own stuff. I, I smuggled, you know, seeds from Amsterdam for a couple of years and, you know, I'd get a couple thousand dollars worth of seeds and you'd pop them and it just wasn't what I wanted and what I was looking for. And, um, you know, to, it, it's just a cool experience, you know, now to be, you know, a decade into it, I can open up a library, uh, you know, in my safe and it's this times this back cross with this and, you know, shit that you, people don't even know about that. I've got probably 110 different creations that I've created, you know, o- over the last decade. And the way that I've always worked is primarily selling seeds was, you know, wasn't what I was focused on. It was more like I'm making seeds and I get to sell some of them. But the way sub had us do rigorous testing back then was I had to test all of my seeds in multiple environments and scenarios to multiple people before we could release them. Now it's just like, there's fucking breeders everywhere and there's people doing great shit. We all fucking chuck pollen, right? At some point you're chucking pollen to make your first creation. And some people have different ethics and, you know, I personally don't like to make something and release it to the world, especially with the internet, because with hybridization and with cannabis, 
hermaphrodism is something that happens and some things like the space candy is an example. I didn't want to release space candy. Sub gave out a bunch of those packs and all these testers were like, yo, this is the shit. I thought it, there was too many phenotypical variations in it, which there was. Now he decided after a bunch of testing beyond me that, Hey, we're going to release it. And he did. And him and Jill did. And you know what? There's a lot of people, especially up in Maine, where it seemed like a lot of it went. Uh, a lot of my home state people supported me on that. And there's some absolute amazing things out there. But was I happy about the the variation through it? No, like that wasn't one that I was like super stoked on. And there's things that I've created that, ah, it's there's kind of funny you say that because that's one of my all time favorites. To be honest with you, I've yeah. got. I've ran, I've 15, about 15 seeds of it. I still have a five pack on backup just in case, but it was always beautiful flower. I mean, picturesque, beautiful, well, the and just candy. super candy. Yeah. Well, Dude, that cotton super candy, candy. yeah, the cotton candy kush that it came from. I love that weed. The problem with the cotton candy kush though, is it would grow these buds that were like absolutely massive. But then when they dried, you'd come in your room and be like, who the fuck robbed me? Like, where did all my weed go? And then you just have like these little sticky colas, um, you know, and it was, I grew up for years. Um, you know, we hunted it and I mean, we did a bunch of testing. I, I just, you know, but once it was out further um, and I'm glad it got released and I'm glad people got to experience. I think I have like maybe 10 or 12 of those seeds left, you know, and it's not ever going to get created again. You know, and that's what's special about some of this stuff. And it's, it's sad that sub's gone and, you know, um, it's unfortunate, but there's stuff that people have, you know, in their gardens and seeds that are out there that, you know, that man's still living in, in, in this industry and around. And that was his mission and his goal. Um, and, you know, um, overall, if I look back as an adult, you know, in the experience and the friendship that we got to have and the, the, what TJ was, that man helped every person, you know, even if there was beefs and fallouts, there's, and there's not one of the people from Odie to Sonny to myself, to Jill, to Joel, he helped us all and we helped him and we know we had a good thing going for a while. And, um, you know, I think that his mission was, uh, was to get out there and show people how to grow dank. And he, he lived his mission and he bumped the internet and forms. And he, I mean, he put more time into what he does than most people, you know? Um, and that's including some of the big dogs. Cause a lot of the big dogs, you know, they're not on forms all day. That guy's been on, was on forms from like the nineties on. So. Some of my other favorites from that era were, uh, I told you this off the air too, but one of my other favorites, favorites besides, uh, besides space candy were, uh, girl time. Girl Time was one of my other all-time favorites out of, you know, that tester area. That that thing stayed around forever. I do not have backup seeds of that one, but that is, wait, I don't think I do. Yeah, but that is, that was, that was fire. And uh, Jazz, Jazz was another one that was a, another amazing creation. That thing, Jazz just yielded. It was a good, a tasty tasty strain but that thing just yielded out of control uh, that was one of my favorites about that one but girl time and space candy were both picturesque covered in trichomes if i had it that's what everybody wanted was either one of those two so shout out on those man. Oh, thank you and, and you know both of those you know have 
have good stories behind them. You know, the, the, um, the Girl Scout cookie uh, space dude, girl time, um, you know, that's the original form Girl Scout cookies and um you know cross with his space dude and he was not into cookies and we argued about it and i was like just 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 fucking give him out his testers release them like we don't like we don't have to sell them whatever and he ended up uh you know sending out a bunch of testers and i was right on that one and you know sub back then though he didn't like ogs he didn't like gas uh before he passed he had changed his mind about some of those things um, but back then he was all about fruit and old school profiles. Um, you know, that, that Cinderella 99 times Romulan, um, you know, that was kind of, that was, that was, he was just, you know, older, older guy and like those older profiles, um, with the jazz, that's the original raspberry Kush times the galactic Jack. Um, sure as shit, I popped, I think it was like 30 galactic Jack seeds. And I, there was just this one absolutely beautiful plant that had a broader leaf structure for you know being a jack hair cross and of course it was a male and of course it was a male and i was like son of a bitch so i was making a, a batch i was actually that was the round i was making uh locomotion and those time rack crosses uh that from the male that ray gave me and i had just flowered that other male so when one male went into this room i grabbed a female plant in the other room and I did one plant um, of raspberry that I hit with that galactic jack, and that's what made that jazz. Um, so that was that was just a one-time creation um, where I got rid of the mail after, and you know, um, we Big Beard Farm still grows jazz. We still have and my other farm jazz. I still have some seeds of it. Um, you know, it, it was the blend of the original raspberry kush that uh, we blew up, uh, you know, and, and times the original Jack Hare. Um, and they were both at the time, two cultivars that, you know, really helped build, you know, my brand at the, it wasn't even a brand, it, was, it helped me medically in terms of having really good fucking pop back then. So it was kind of just a, a complement of each other. So it was cool to recreate those and you get expressions from, from, you know, both parents, you know, Jack being very dominant, you'll get almost this cush-like structure, but with a jack nose. Um, and the thing about, you know, that raspberry kush, they're some of, you know, if you look at, you know, peach rings, uh, that's Marion Berry, and then peach rings OZ, it's a pheno of Marion Berry, and peach rings OZ is Marion Berry, that pheno, times Eddie Lep OG. Um, but, you know, when you look at third gen, um, you know, they were like, when he first got into it, and like, I remember us all meeting, you know, um, you know, Brandon got uh, from another buddy, he ended up getting a cut of Mary and Barry and renaming it Peach Rings and started winning cups with it. Um, you know, great pot, absolutely. And great things have happened with it. And to see, it's kind of crazy to see like what happens in a garage or in a basement or in a bedroom. And then it just ripple out into the universe. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a humbling thing. Um, you know, people get mad about genetics all the time and I've been caught up in my own about, you know, oh, they're recreating this or they're fucking, they fucked me on that or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, none of us are the creators of cannabis. We are, you know, basically furthering it and passing it along, um, you know, so we're more of a steward to the plant and that's our responsibility. So um, if someone wants to take and make creations with my stuff, 
I love seeing people like, oh, like I, just, I saw like this Hitman OG from a Hawaiian uh, company that uh, was eight five four one times something from DNA. I can't remember. Um, that shit excites me. I think it's cool. You know, uh, sometimes people send me seeds of it. You know, and I've got a library of, you know, stuff that people have created with my stuff, and they'll hit me up, and you know, um, I've got a lot of seeds to pop, so I haven't got around to all of it, but I definitely have a sweet collection. I'm always humbled by people, you know, thinking that the things that I've created are good enough to continue. You know, I have a problem with back crosses myself, to be honest with you. You know, a lot of uh, recreations, I should say, you know, just recreations in general. You know, it's sometimes if the seed's not available, maybe, and you have some, and it's for sustainability for your own sake, nah, all right, go for it. Knock yourself out. But when it comes to, like, recreation for sale, I can – I. I have a problem with it because like a lot of, like you're saying, the credit usually isn't dealt where it should be dealt. And basically what my problem is with the recreations is when they don't have the vision that you created in a pheno selection. So it, how can they accurately recreate a strain that, you know, they don't have your notes. They don't have your pheno selection uh, types. You know, it's hard to recreate a strain when you don't have, the initial insight that was you know going into it so that's what's the purpose of the project you know um and i and i completely agree if you're going straight recreation and that's i mean why i beefed with sub and his old partner will and why i got my instagram taken for like almost six eight months um you know will openly told me pretty much that they're recreating my shit and to go fuck myself and he was like posted online and like literally like made this whole thing about it on his page and i reposted it and then he got attacked because that's what the internet does. And, you know, he, he, I'm stubborn as fuck and he begged me to take it down and I wouldn't. And we both fought in the schoolyard of IG and got our accounts taken. I ended up getting mine back after fucking pleading, you know, like, Yo, you know, but it was during that algorithm where the boom was like really traveling and since getting it back, it's just stayed at like 87,000 or whatever, which I don't really care. Um, but that was a lesson in itself of like, why bring that shit to the, to the, to the playground? You know what I mean? But I grew up in an era of like, you, you told me to do it. Um, you know, so I think that if you're going to take someone's genetics and then recreate them and just sell them, you're a fucking asshole. I think if you want to take some genetics and I really like this genetic of yours and I really like this GMO over here, or I really like this, whatever. And I want to make something of my own have at it. I think that's the coolest shit. I, I mean, I, every breeder was born that way. And, you know, it's never too late to become a breeder. Uh, it's never too late to, to, you know, make something out of creation purposes for yourself to have something unique to separate yourself. Um, so the continual cre- creation is, is something great. But like, if you're literally like, I'm gonna make, you know, head dog, you know, or I'm going to make, you know, whatever it is, I, I'm going to go make, you know, Jack the Ripper. Um, that's, and then I'm going to go sell it. And no, that's not ethical. Um, but, you know, I think there's a, there's an ethical way to do it. And I've had multiple people, you know, my buddy Nelson, Poetry of Plants, person I really respect, got a bunch of gear from me before he ever did anything with it. He hit me up and was like, Hey man, like, I'd like to do this. You know, can, can I do that? And I was like, yeah fuck yeah and then he was like i'll share some of the seeds with you so he made you know uh maxine uh the atomic collider um you know he, he made a couple different ones um 
and he and he kicked me down seeds of it. He F, he brought you know Mad Max to an F two, um, you know. So in scenarios like that, that's that's flattering, and you know, and a lot of the times, and listen, I've I've worked with shit that I shouldn't have worked with in the past, and got myself in trouble, and had to then own up and be like, yo, sorry, I did that. Like I knew I shouldn't have, but I did. So like, what do you want me to do with the seeds type deal? Um, you know, we all make mistakes and shit, but there's ways to do it ethically. And I think if you're going to want to work with someone's work, what up, son? What's up, um, I think if you're going to work with someone else's work, you know, it's kind of can be a common courtesy. Like, Hey, I'd like to do this. You cool with that? Nine times out of 10, people are going to be like, you know, yeah, fuck. Yeah. I support you. Um, you know, and if you're not, if you're not selling something and you're not trying to like recreate it to distribute, do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I mean, it's, as they'd say, this is, uh, you know, whatever your religious belief is, but, you know, isn't this like God's plant or whatever? <laughs> you know, I agree 100% with that, especially on the will front there. Uh, yeah, I agree 100% on that. I'm just going to drop the ball right there. What, <laughs> the you should be working on your own cred, not off somebody else's. When that, when that's, but when it, when it, but it, as far as like recreation and working with your strains, you know, I'm excited about t- tissue culture these days because that's going to save a lot of the bullshit. We, you as a breeder, you know, wanting to be able to move forth and that, you know, you can tissue culture stuff. You ever want to bring stuff back? You can bring it back and. Reproduce it accurately if you wanted to someday. Uh, so I'm kind of excited about that. I'm kind of hoping that will slow down some of the bullshit backcrossing going on uh, as far as that goes. But as far as like stuff being created with your strains, I think them packs should be, you know, read correctly when they when it lays out the, the genetics. It should say, you know, this this strain was created by you know this strain and girl time from a great strain provided by you know heroes of the farm there's no harm and you know if you're going to work with that strain to tip your hat to the breeder or whoever you know produced it you know that's fair enough i believe i think i think you're right there too and i think that there's you know example head dog you know jai renamed it the flan and then people thought all of a sudden it was some cookie shit. The flan is head dog number seven. My idea, I bred it, I hunted it, I shared it with his partner, Ned Fossil. Now, I didn't care that he renamed it, but when I went to read, like when him and I met up and we talked, I was like, yo, this awesome fucking beautiful picture. You go back a couple of years, you'll see it on my Instagram. And I was like, head dog, AKA the flan. And then, it, you know, people, it caused all this drama and shit. And he was curating a May- Baywood cookies menu. And it was kind of procured as like their shit, which it wasn't. And it's head dog. It's not the flan. Now, I'll call it the flan because the cookies family has clout. Um, but it, it's head dog. It's, it's the original uh, headband times Guinness, my dog. And, you know alpha and all the other dog names were taken but head dog wasn't so you know that's that's where that name was born now do i respect what the fuck out of those dudes have done as a as a brand uh and what they've built yeah i'm not i i got nothing bad to say about them at all um you know and i've had multiple people you know for a lot of the you know a lot of the big industry names 
take and rename shit. And, you know, I, listen, the name's the name, you know, and if there's a different phenotype, it's still the fucking name of the plant. So if you're like, hey, this is Tyra Banks, it's like, no, that's conspiracy kush, not Tyra Banks because you wanted to rename it, you know, Um but, you know, that's, I get it. You know, I've seen people take, you know, and, and some of it too is that hype shit. Like example, I had a buddy that nobody wanted Jack Hare anymore. He changed the name to St. John Skunk and they couldn't get enough of it. Same fucking buyers. People are dumb. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just think if you're going to work with someone's shit, um, you know, there's like the boxes to check. Like first off, don't rename it. Um, second off, don't do an exact replica recreation and then try to sell it. And third off, you know, you don't have to do it, but if you do plan on maybe like, I'm going to sell a bunch of this shit, hit them up, you know, but also that being said as a breeder, um, as soon as you release anything into the world, it's gone. So you shouldn't be so attached to something and so upset about something. If you're willing to let it go to a friend or for another consumer for a dollar because at the end of the day we have no control on what others do so um you know i can see it from all sides of perspective and i really try not to get hung up on what other people are doing with my shit um in the past i have gotten hung up on that but what i realized through experience and just through aging and growing up is if i'm focused and worried about what that person's doing with my shit that means I'm not focused enough and staying in my own lane and being creative with myself for the future. So I shouldn't worry about what anyone's doing. I should be focused on what I'm doing. So, um, you know, all, all different ways and, and, and aspects to look at it, but you know, I I've had all of the above happen, um, you know, and I've been guilty of some of those things. Um, but at the end of the day, like when I started breeding, it's not like I got some pot that I created that, you know, someone else created this, this plant has been for decades and decades and for thousands of years being passed and, and honed in. And, and, you know, um, you know, it's, as they say in the botany of desire, plants make people do crazy things. <laughs> right on. Very wise words, by the way. Very wise words about not necessarily uh, focusing on the bullshit behind you. It's that's a very, very accurate statement. Very accurate. Statement. Uh, so, what 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 are some of the things that you're excited about currently with uh, Heroes of the Farm? What's out there, or could be out there soon that we should be looking out for? Oh, um, so. Uh... got a bunch of shit going on Uh, our lab after four years of bullshit is finally open Um, we're jumping through the last few hoops of control studies Um, so before you can uh, release your first SKUs for every SKU you release into the Oregon market you have to do a control study and then once you do the control study you have basically a two-year period and then you just do all your testing and release that out so um, realistically, by the end of this month, probably in the next two, three weeks, uh, we will have extract out into the Oregon market for the first time um, of recreational. We are not new to extraction and we are not new to the Oregon market with extraction or medical recre- medical dispensaries, uh, but we got zoned out and then we had to play the game. So we're finally up and operable there. Um, you know, so that's exciting. 
um, hang in, you know, another 64 lights. Um, we had switched over and made a shitload of hemp seeds over the last couple of years and did mass scale hemp seed production. And we just switched all of our greenhouses back over to THC, which took some time with the OLCC to get our licensing flipped back around. Um, so we just fired up uh, four more greenhouses in the last uh, two weeks. We're doing uh, two greenhouses of auto THC seeds um, for the Oregon recreational market. Uh, will probably be the first one to offer auto THC inside of the Oregon recreational market for large scale acreage. Just trying to be kind of the first on that. Uh, working with my partner, Nick Strumberg out of California with a bunch of his auto lines. Um, so working on that. Um, this spring, we, we uh, Mushmouth, uh, Donnie um, from Homegrown Natural Wonders. Um, him and I did a project um, with, the, uh, with the Irish Stout, which is Red Rocket Times Guinness. Um, so we've got about 15 new creations um, that we're going to be massively hunting uh, that you'll be seeing. I'll probably start that in about, I pop the seeds here in about another month and a half um, and get that going for the season. Um, you know, so I'm excited for the hunt and then got another couple of breeding projects going on right now where, um, you know, we're going to make um, cherry truffle. I don't know if you've seen the white truffle, but, um, we're going to make a cherry truffle and a bunch of other cherry stout crosses. Um, Nick and I, and my other partner have feminized a, a bunch of lines. So we are starting hero's journey, um, which is basically a, kind of a subsidiary of heroes of the farm. Um, but based out of kind of our Cali nursery, um, to be able to service the California market for a large scale seed production with feminized lines. Um, so 8541 and Cherry Stout have been the donors and we've had multiple different receivers, um, you know, GMO, Hair of the Dog, Muscovian, um, Dead Prez. Uh, there's, there's a, oh shit, thank you. There's a, there's a laundry list of them. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, you know, but for me, before I'll really want to sell any of this shit, I've got to grow it all myself. Um, I got to make sure it checks the boxes for myself first. Um, and I like to give myself a run at things. Um, I don't necessarily like, you know, I grew a shitload of cherry stout and made it popular before I wanted to release it. And then I did limited drops for, you know, a little bit more money and strategically released it out in the world because it needs to get out in the world. But I also, I've had my time period with it. So now with whatever anyone does with it, Hey, I've had my day in the sun with it. So go, go have yours. <laughs> so those are some of the projects that I'm excited about, but uh, I don't know there's always more shit that comes up, but definitely looking forward to this year's hunt. We didn't, because of all last year's hemp breeding, we were still breeding, you know, THC seeds, but I didn't get to do a big hunt and the last couple of years we've hunted, you know, usually we hunt anywhere from six to 8,000 plants over, you know, 12 to 20 varieties. And that's where you see all this new stuff come out of. And it goes through rigorous testing, uh, mold and mildew resistance, um, you know, and uh, terpene profile, um, you know, numbers at, at the time, you know, the last time we did a big hunt were very important because in Oregon, there was a time period where it didn't matter what your pot looked like they were like, hey, send me your test results. I want to see if it's 30%. And, you know, that got a lot rid of a lot of good genetics in our state. Um, and it's sad that, you know, people started shopping based on paperwork versus using their senses because um, there's a lot of good pot that's not very strong if you look at paperwork, but maybe some of the most effective things for the person. So 
Um, you know, it's nice to see that market kind of uh, redirect itself and, you know, the Oregon market restabilize um, through oversaturation and overproduction and, and new, new growers and, and figuring out um, mass scale agriculture. There's a lot of bad shit out there. And yeah, there was like fucking, I don't know how many extra countless of thousands of pounds in the system at a point, but dog shit's dog shit. And if it's not going to sell, it's not going to sell. So, um, Oregon markets, finally, the pandemic has been very weird, uh, obviously, but it's been actually pretty amazing for cannabis in the nation. Um, and especially, you know, in Oregon and California, uh, people are, would stay at home in order, stay at home orders and no jobs. Uh, they like to get high. So the market has restabilized, um, you know, good weeds always going to sell. And it's nice to see the growers, um, that were able to make it, especially, you know, some of the homies, um, to be able to thrive again, because we've worked hard to be here. So it's nice to see that, uh, dispensaries are not uh, trying to purchase weed based on a dollar, but they're trying to, you know, purchase weed based on, um, constant, you know, consumer quality. Brother, I haven't been asked a number in a year. Mm-hmm. I haven't been asked a number in a year. So. My buddy that works for me and is my partner, he said he hasn't been asked for a THC number in a year, which that's all we used to get. Here, T. So um, it's nice to see that turn around because um, it got brutal there for a while. I mean, when you looked at from the prices of outdoor from 16 to 17, there was a $1,000 difference per pound, and it did not cost the grower $1,000 less to produce it. Uh-oh. Did we freeze? Hello. Uh-oh. You froze. Oh, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> All right. Thank goodness. So, yeah, it froze up on my end. Sorry about that, buddy. No, it's uh, all good. I got the shittiest internet service ever. So I was like, is it me? <laughs> it always happens on the real great episodes, too. <laughs> this being one. This being one. So uh, I can't help but, you know, it impresses me and I mean, makes me a little bit curious to hear you uh what i would consider a larger scale uh breeder to be talking about autos so do you think we are, what do you what are your thought uh, thoughts on autos are we there that uh we should be kind of keeping our eye out for i mean well, honestly what's your goal like you're you doing know, some work so what you, it, it depends <laughs> on what your goal is you know what i mean if you're looking at large-scale agriculture for extraction um you know my, my partner, uh, Nick Stromberg has spent, you know, the last many years actually getting the numbers up, um, you know, getting everything to be more uniform and, and, you know, capturing different terpene profiles. Um, so are autos getting there? Yeah. There's autos that are testing in the twenties. Um, if you're looking at just from a turn and burn, um, for large scale field, you know, um, and, and greenhouse where you necessarily don't want to be photo dependent, and you're going for straight extraction. Um, yeah, I think the juice is totally worth the squeeze. If you look at, if you're doing, um, you know, where, you, where I'm at, you know, if I was going to do an acre of outdoor up in, in the foothills here, 
my only real option for a successful harvest to, to be truthful, it would be autos, um, you know? And so now is it quite as good of a flower structure and end product as a, a traditional, like nice photoperiodic plant? It's not quite 100% there, no. But if you're looking like, hey, I'm growing for my extraction company and I'm growing for these purposes, um, and, and I'm growing for yield, which, you know, that's, that's a, a, a large variable for a lot of these larger companies um, to be able to hit the skews to meet demand, then yeah, I think that they have a, a big future, uh, especially if you're looking at some of these large scale facilities that are getting converted. Um, you know, an example is, you know, say you have, um, you know, a, a 10 acre facility that used to grow orchids that had the shade cloths, but now you're producing um you're trying to light depth them and you're switching all that out you're going to spend millions just to control a photo period um you know as that as that system is shutting to get dark uh to get to create your 12 12 versus if it can be midsummer and does not matter about your photo cycle those plants are going to flower within three to four weeks of germination and you're talking a 75 to 90 day crop and you're talking no plant maintenance. So because you've got seed vigor, you're not having to use a bunch of IPM tech techniques. Um, and you're not, you know, growing these big plants, you know, to then thin up and trim and over touch and over manicure. Um, it's just boom, pop them, go turn them, you know, buck them, shuck them, you know, off to the freezers or to the dryers um, to be able to turn into extract. Um, and yeah, I think that they definitely have uh, their place in, in large scale production and in the models that are being created in today's society. I've also been on uh, quoted about saying that I think they're gonna play effect for uh, geological purposes too. I honestly think like in some areas, like in the, the breadbasket there where we don't get the tornado zones it would be wise to like in areas like that if they went for autos you know a short season before before the hurricane or tornado season and then another one after versus you know risking a whole photo period uh crop during that season or the same thing like down in the florida areas you know where they have multiple seasons i think photos would or uh, i'm sorry autos would come into play well down in them areas too so i think the geological area in itself will play into the autos uh, Mm -hmm. big time, I think. Yeah. And and autos have been around and, you know, for, I remember going to the cups in Amsterdam back in the day when Barney's and those guys were really like Barney's probably done some of like the most auto work back in the day. But back then as Americans, we weren't hip to what those motherfuckers were doing and they were blowing shit up like hard as fuck in the Netherlands and in other, you know, in other countries, uh, Spain, um, you know, there's a lot of places that were, were growing auto THC and they were selling them as a lower end flower. But, you know, I know guys that are, uh, that have done really, really well with autos. Um, is it a lower grade product? Absolutely. But if you just grew 2000 pounds on an acre and you sold those 600 for $600 a pound, um, you name a crop that is even comparable in this world to that. I'll be waiting, <laughs> you know? So, uh, is it the heady fucking, you know, dope indoor? No, that's not what the purpose that they serve is. So, uh, just kind of checking in with you, 
a little bit. We, before we kind of started, you were allotting me about an hour. How are we doing on time? I should be. Should I, I, I be I, worried about wrapping it up? Or I, you, yeah, I see I, you do have company. I got I got a couple buddies over. I, I can do a couple more minutes, and then I'll probably have to bounce out. But I definitely give you a couple more. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, that, and that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, my buddy behind us is, he was saying equatorial, you know, just in, in a lot of wetter climates and places, you know, like like you were saying, Florida, but just all over the world, they're going to serve their purpose. And, you know, a lot of this stuff that's happening right now, um, you know, it's being extracted, you know, there's, there's a large market and we're going to continue to see different forms of consumables come in as science and technology and innovation continues to happen. I mean, we, we've watched and witnessed, you know, fucking dabs come in and, you know, there was slabs and batter and diamonds and, you know, now there's just the tech, it's like computers in the nineties and, and, you know, the Silicon Valley boom, you know, you're just going to continue to see massive in, innovation, um, you know, not only genetically speaking with, you know, if you look at like some of the stuff that the Crawfers are doing with, with hemp, um, with CRISPR system and gene sequencing and, you know, the technologies of today catching up with what is probably going to be, you know, it, it is, you know, the largest cash crop in the world. Um, you know, we're going to start putting the money into said research to really figure this shit out. And that's, what's exciting is to see science and technology and all of it kind of marry together. So um, yeah, I think we're going to continue to see really, really neat things. So uh, I guess I got much respect. Tony from Galactic Gardens is kind of wanting me to ask. So do you, do, is there any plans? I know what you're getting at. He's talking about the secret there. Is there any, uh, is there any plans for some of the unreleased testers that were TGA uh, yeah, to ever so, make the light of day? Yeah. So actually one of the things with the secret, I'm going to rename that. Um that, that was one of the things that I, I shouldn't have bred that plant and I did. And then I basically ate shit and fucking talked to Tommy and apologized and was like, what do you want me to do with these? And it's like, I won't sell them. And I didn't. And, um, he was like, you know what, dude, he's like, you know, he told me the story about like, Hey, the guy that I got it from said, don't ever pass it out. And he goes, so I'm just trying to respect that guy. So that's, that's my gig. And I was like, cool. And I was at the Emerald cup. I don't know, two, two or three years ago. Unfortunately, Tommy's in jail now. So um, what we were talking about is actually, I was talking with James Bean, which I need to get my shit together. I've been waiting for uh, packaging. Uh, I got my packaging. I'm waiting for the foam inserts for Hero's Journey uh, boxes. But basically, um, I'm going to give a bunch of those particular ones uh, to James to then uh, basically donate that money towards uh, Duke's cause of you know getting him some funds for where he's at because super good dude. Don't like to see anyone uh, hemmed up. Uh, and, and in prison and that dude spent you know he didn't he didn't rat when he could have and he spent a lot of time in jail for that and because of that record you know when he got caught you know with what happened to him recently a while ago um you know it's unfortunate and so uh i i absolutely have um you know a, a lot of uh different things if you hit up uh, prestige worldwide seeds those dudes um they've got a bunch of shit um and, you know, I'm going to be working with seeds here now. Um, I'm just, it's, you know, he, he's been wanting to do this for a couple of months now, but 
I just got a lot of shit going on and packaging took a little bit, a uh, little time to come in. So that finally arrived. And now this guy took us three weeks to get back to us via email for the stupid foam inserts for the vials of the seeds to sit in. So um, you're going to see, you know, some of those get released um, and then you're going to see coming up, um, you know, we've got a little bit of it in testing, but I want to get it further out there. Um, but all of those Irish stout crosses. Um, so Irish Stout, uh, Scooby Snacks, GMO, uh, Locomotion, um, Scovian, um, some of the ADAG 13 hash plant times ISE, which is the interspecies erotica, uh, got hit with Gorilla Snacks. There's a laundry list of them that will uh, be coming out here in the near future. Um, not directly from me, um, but you'll be able to get them uh, through a couple different vendors. I hope to see a lot of those uh, older strains get released. There was some fire. There was some fire there. They should be out there being grown. That's for sure. So I'm glad you're putting them back out there. Um, I hope that I can uh, get you back at some point. I know we're going to cut this short. I'd like to get you back and just talk some straight up uh, grow, see what kind of knowledge you can uh, dunk, dish out to the community there. I know we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, one, a couple of things before you go, actually three things. Uh, one, I wanted to compliment you on that amazing uh, ink you have there. I'm a huge fan of ink. I'm probably at half covered. So I'm a, all night long, I've been appreciating those sleeves you've got there. Uh, badass work. Is that is that one of the brother, I'm guessing, maybe? Yeah. That you so said you had some tattoos. Yep. So my brother, Jake, uh, he's the middle brother, uh, thought crime tattoo, uh, Jake Pooler, 1984 is his Instagram handle. Um, yeah, he, you know, he's been tattooing for about 10 years. Um, shit cannabis put through, put him through fucking tattoo school. He, uh, he moved out from the East coast. He, uh, he's definitely a, you know, whereas we were all shitheads fucking growing up, but he just got caught being a shithead. So he got himself in some trouble and, always an amazing artist and then he moved out to Oregon after going to RISD he dropped out of RISD art school uh, which is a very prestigious pretentious school and he just wasn't into all the rich kids and kind of the the vibe of the school so he bounced and moved out to Oregon and was living on my couch and basically you know asked if uh, I could help him you know get into tattoo school and uh, he went to tattoo school in Portland and now he's owned his own shop for uh, shit like eight eight years now but he's been tattooing for 10 it might even be 10 I don't, he's like he's owned his shop for almost a decade um he focuses you know loves photorealism um you know this is i've got you know elbert hoffman uh in the corner you probably can't see it all it's fucking weird angle that's a, that's a fucking bad he's bad badass that's a nice that's not a big head either for the detail he's got on that thing that thing's badass yeah, so it's an albert hoffman with the uh lsd molecule so albert obviously created lsd my mom my grandfather i got jerry garcia trey anastasio and uh grandma nice. in the back um then i got a bunch of shit up top too like celtic folklore and i'm working on blood i'm blacking out an original tattoo and then going over it with this shit right here um so yeah i'm, I'm a that black's rough that blackout's rough man that shit dries like it's like just a dry patch always i don't know what it is about that black ink but man it dries out right 
them spots dry out big time. No, there's uh, <laughs> it, it's a love hate where I'm just like I I wouldn't pay for most people to inflict this much pain on me, but I like tattoos. I blame uh, I blame my aunt for giving us those fucking those like lick on tattoos when we were kids, and you'd have them like all over your neck and shit and face. Fucking, I, I loved the temporary fake tattoos when I was little. <laughs> well, cool. I'll, I'll let you get to your company there. Uh, well, you, you, you know, two, hopefully you had, that you had three things, so you only gave. I'll give you the other two. You only gave me one. <laughs> I, I'm I'm working to it. Uh, basically, what I, the other two are, the other one is, you know, we, the show is nightly. It goes between 1130 to 420 every night, usually. And, you know, it bases on the guests. Sometimes they go long. Sometimes they go short. If there's a short episode, then I pick up and go with uh, what I call the wormhole. It used to be the rabbit hole, but now it's the wormhole. And the wormhole is open up to past guests. Anybody that's a past guest that wants to jump in and hang out and talk cannabis or whatever. So with that in mind, uh, you're no different than any other past guest. I give you the same invitation that I give them. The, the Zoom number that you have is the same for all the shows. So if you ever happen to tune in the channel and see a wormhole and you see a guest that you'd like to shoot the shit with as long as myself, jump in. You don't need an invitation. You know, You don't need to go, hey, man, can I jump in? Just come on. Just come on. We're always honored. And, you know, whoever pops in, it's always like a present. You know what I'm saying? All right, Patrick's here. So it's always, you know, it's always nice to see that. So anytime, anytime, and hopefully that we can get you back on, you know, another another episode where we dive in a little bit deeper into the grow. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. And then the last. Yeah, let's get something put on the books here in the future. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. The last and final thing I'd like to ask you for is probably the more corny thing. Some say I should do it in the beginning to kind of set more of a happier pace through the show, but whatever. Uh, it's a, it's basically the advertisement for the episode. It's like the old school radio soundbite. And in my words, not yours, it goes something like, hey, this is Eagle Gardens and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle. Episode 315. You can dress it up, you know, make it your own. But that's pretty much what I'm looking for. All right. So hold on one second because I'm dumb. It's, hey, it's Eagle Gardens. If I can, hey. No, it's basically, I'd want from you, it's more like, hey, this is Patrick from Heroes of the Farm, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 315. All right, I'll do that for you. <laughs> hey, it's Pat with Heroes of the Farm. I'm, and I am on fucking talking shit with Eagle Gardens episode three fifteen. Come check this shit out. Peace. <laughs> thank you, my friend. And again, thank you for donating your time. Uh, I have tons of respect for you as much as the community does too. And I will hit you up and hopefully we can schedule something at your leisure. I know you're a busy, busy man. So uh, that's why again I'm it was, uh, it was an absolute pleasure, and, uh, you know, uh, we can do this again for sure, man. So all the best, and thank uh, you you all for the years of uh, support and kind words. Um, you know, without, uh, without everyone in this community, we would definitely not be where we're at and uh, who we are. So we're grateful because uh, 
you know it's it's something that we're passionate about and love so you know fucking keep uh keep things keep things good in these weird strange times <laughs> again all right well uh again thank you very much and uh i look forward to talking to you again soon you can uh, go ahead and just let yourself out i'm gonna kind of close up the show and uh get ready for the next one but thank you very much i look forward to talking to you again sir all right brother have a good one peace peace what an amazing episode patrick from heroes of the farm wow what a nice dude and man that gardener that uh, i talked about there that the that he referred to that that garden for me when he showed that thing actually set the bar for me back in 2009 i seen that thing i was like this guy is killing it and i've had tons of respect for him ever since so hope you guys have enjoyed this episode i know i have uh so thank you guys for tuning in you guys know the routine if you guys want to come hang out in the wormhole please do it would give me about five, ten minutes, and we'll go ahead and get that fired up. Hopefully, I see a lot of past guests in chat here. Hopefully, you guys, some of you pop on, say hello, talk some shit with me. If not, then thank you guys very much for hanging out up to this point. Uh, much, much respect to all of you guys. Sorry about the delay the last couple of days, but it is what it is. Back up, running again. So... See you guys in a few minutes in the wormhole. You guys know the deal. Please do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. I'm a living, breathing example of that. So take some time. Open the door. Say something nice. We all need it. I'll see you guys again tomorrow with My Herbs Now at 1130 telling us about his comeback. But... Until then, I'll see you guys in about five, ten minutes in the wormhole. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. I am out of here.